Welcome to Feel Feelings with Danny and George, the show that talks about feelings and the things that make you feel them. Namaste. I would love to see just like a Brooklyn, New York Buddhist. Oh, they have to exist. That'd be fun. They have to just like, namaste. I respect you. I see you. You are warm. You are inviting. Get the fuck out of here. Like, that's what I want. (laughs) I want Bugs Bunny as a Hare Krishna. That's what I want. Uh, Daniel, how are you? How are things? You know, they're all right. It's been a a tough week to put it lightly, I guess. Yeah. Are you holding up okay? Yeah. I mean, actually, I'm, I'm doing doing okay. I haven't really given myself time to like sit with it and think about what it means, but mm. you know, for now I'm doing okay. Well, that's good. For, we, don't have, we don't have to break into it if you don't want to. But. No, no. We, we, I mean, I'll, I'll go more into it later probably just to okay. keep people posted. My grandfather passed away last Friday. He passed away. It's been it's been weird because like people are sharing pictures and stuff and, and pictures I've never seen and pictures I haven't seen in ages and all that. Like there, there's pictures of my grandfather when he was young where he's just like this portly dude who's just like wearing wigs and dressing up like crazy stuff and like like a totally fun dude. It seems fun that like you became the comedian in the family and then as you find out slowly but surely there's all these other pictures and moments in his life where he's like. Oh, goofball! Goofball! Yeah. This is this yeah. is the this is ground zero for this. Yeah, it's the, it's the weird thing with both sides of my family is that like they seem to try to hide it, but they're all very funny. It's weird. It's weird when they try to hide it. <laughs> yeah, like they they try to act like they have like normal senses of humor, and then you you see kind of the hidden side every now and then, and you're like, no, that's that's who you really are. What are you doing? Yeah. Have you found anything like standout-ish? Like, I feel like you're going to wind up going through some of his stuff and then find out that like, oh my God, he worked with Del Close and just like something crazy. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, he he grew up in, in 50s New York. Was like, he a Buddhist? <laughs> yeah, he, might, he might actually be the guy we were looking for. And like, he he had a, a very, very tough life and like really made something of himself, mm. which is like, incredibly impressive like the the life he made is insane I, he, he wrote a memoir which really? is just like a 43 page document of stuff that happened in his life and so much of it is horrible <laughs> I, i'm not laughing at the, i mean i am laughing at that it's just like he wrote this beautiful memoir and it's all just horrific shit. Like, like none of it. I wouldn't wish any of it on, <laughs> on people. Like it, it is unbelievable. The stuff that he's been through. And like he, he was basically just left by his parents to be raised by his grandparents. And like his, his dad left and got remarried and basically just stuck with his new family. And then his mom went with like an abusive alcoholic and would only show up when they were fighting so like that was where he came from and then kind of like worked his way through the military, started a family, became like an independent business owner and started a whole thing for himself. And basically like none of his kids work for anybody. Like, huh. like that's the legacy is like yeah. every one of them is like, no, like I'm doing this for myself. That's crazy. And it's crazy that like him and my grandpa have very similar stories where 
my grandpa got thrown in an orphanage for a few years just because his mom couldn't take care of him and his dad was sort of not around and yeah. wound up selling ties on the street corner somewhere on Long Island to businessmen. And like, that was his first gig. And like, it's how that generation capitalized on their own worth, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't like, I feel like a lot of people hijacked the term, like, oh, you pull yourself up from your bootstraps into this like statement of wrong. But this generation of people that you like, you see with the shit they experience and they go through and you wouldn't wish it on anybody, but they came out and they made families and they made legacies and they left things behind for us to look back and appreciate on. That's crazy stuff, man. Yeah. It's weird to think like all the systems are in place now because of the lives that they led, but they, they didn't have anything remotely close to the systems that were helping people like improve their lives. Yeah. Like even just like social services wasn't really a thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I think like my grandpa's like two other siblings, like stayed at the orphanage while he was like old enough to leave or something. I forget how it worked out, but like a couple of them, like they didn't have the resources he did. You know, yeah. so he like got what he could do and like, you know, there's, they still had a relationship later on in life and stuff, but it's, it's people were made of tougher stuff, which I think is a Shakespeare <laughs> quote. Yeah, um, very poetic. Yeah. That, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'll have, I'll have more stories as I, I keep reading through this. Cause I mean, some, there, there are going to be a lot of very fun stories that he's told forever that I'm just waiting to see them in writing to like make sure I have the story right before I tell stories. Yeah. But yeah, I'll, once I get to those, I'll probably share some of them. But for now we do have an episode. <laughs> Sorry, Chip, but this episode is dedicated yeah. to Dan's grandpa. <laughs> you know, all is not the worst one for that. Yeah, that's true. We could have done uh what, like my friend's episode. It's like, yeah. you're meeting him today. And also this horrible thing has happened and I'm dealing with <laughs> yeah. it. Okay. And I'm handling it, but also let's roll to Luke. Uh, <laughs> but uh, rest in peace. I don't know your grandpa's name. What's your grandpa's name? Patrick O'Connell. Patrick. That's a very Irish oh, name. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Pat O'Connell. Uh, RIP. We love you. Thank you for making such a fine grandson. Uh, uh, I think he's great. I mean, he's got to get his hair together. But other than that, <laughs> we have a great show. We had Chip Chantry on the show today. Yeah, Chip is, we, we actually figured it out. We were talking after we finished recording. He is the first, like, Philly comic I ever saw. Yeah, it was, it, we, we we talked about it after, I think we stopped recording too, where it was, uh, I went to uh, open mic because I had known a couple people and I was just like, okay, that's another one I can do. I can there used to be an open mic at a club called Good Good Comedy Theater that like they had an open mic on Sundays and it was a bucket mic. So you might not even get on, but at least you got to see a bunch of comedians and kind of learn from them. And it was a fun show. And it was the other one that was the first other one that I went to. And it was like right when you first start now going to be a grinder. Yeah. And I saw some kids that I had seen at the other mics that former guests of the show and people we talk about on the show all the time. And I was like, hey, can I sit? with you like it was like the first day of school bullshit <laughs> yeah. and i sat down at uh this place uh called jose pistolas that does a show called nacho mike and then chip chantry who i had heard of in hushed tones around the city for a couple months while i was first starting out and the two comics that i was sitting next to were like oh hey chip and i was like what are you why are you being so cat it's chip chantry we're not we don't <laughs> talk to him yeah he, uh, he's the absolute nicest person super nice and honestly i would have 
figured him as a uh, sports guy and stuff, South Philly guy. I was a little nervous about this interview. And then we started talking about like Nick Drake and R.E.M. I was like, ah, we're going to be fine. I like yeah. Chip. Like, I think this me and Chip are very, friends now. Yeah, it's a very music centric episode. I think all three of us brought music examples yeah. to some I extent. I was not going to, but then as soon as we started like diving deep on stuff, I changed my midway through yeah. the show. Yeah, I, I had one that like wasn't, but I was like, I, I don't want to change this conversation. I'm really enjoying this yeah. conversation. And such a fun topic, too, to talk about. We were talking about awe. I don't know if we ever prefaced the emotion in our intros, but we, uh, we, we did awe, and it kept on reminding me of an Eddie Izzard joke, where he's like, it used to awesome, used to be such an important thing, but I saw an ad the other day for two awesome hot dogs for three ninety nine. <laughs> and if you look at like the regular definition, you'd be like, oh, the way the bun holds the sausage in the in the mustard in the red. Oh, it's just, I can't even look. <laughs> that That's hilarious. <laughs> so yeah, we're talking awe with Chip Chantry. And uh, what a fun talk. Like, honestly, it's made the fucking playlist this week a lot easier. Oh yeah, yeah. Th- there was no struggle putting this one together. Yeah, so, yeah you make guys- sure you check out yeah if you guys don't know we do a playlist every week now because uh we're just trying to give you stuff we want to give you stuff uh to to engage with us and talk with us we're your friends come on get in the van get in this van speaking (laughs) of engaging with us shout out to any of the the max fun people who stuck around from last week thank you for showing up and participating that that was that was great everyone was very complimentary uh, we got a, a message on our Instagram from, I believe her name is Morgan Raskin. She, she was very complimentary and I, I appreciate anybody. Yeah, I just want to make sure I'm getting her name right. Let us know I, I roll through the next one. Oh, also, did you see that we got a message from Mummy 4 signed petition? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, posted, I posted the Brendan Fraser meme and then I was like, have you signed our petition? Keep your eyes right. on the Feel Feelings pod Instagram. It's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we need to get into this episode. Uh, okay. Chip is hilarious. You can follow him on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Chip Chantry. Uh, his name's in the info. You can spell it from that if you need to. It's pretty easy. Um, he also has two albums out. He has Across from the Adonis and he has Swingers Party, which I was at the recording of Swingers Party. That was a, an incredible night. The album came out so, so fun. Go, go check out both of those. And um, here's Chip. Chip Chantry. R.I.P. Pedro O'Connell. Chip, how are you? I'm. That used to be an easy answer. Yeah, yeah we <laughs> like, I used, a lot of that. <laughs> I used to be great, and uh, I'm good. I'm getting. I'm, I'm. I'm hanging in. My uh, my first few months of the lockdown, quarantine, whatever you call it, uh, was actually great. Like I was enjoying it and getting some stuff done, relaxing, reading, just all that. And it's like, it's catching up to me now. Like you're just like, uh, some, you know, just staring at the walls, thinking about everything. I'm, I'm a, I'm a bit of a hypochondriac. So just in general, and usually it's like, all right, I think I'm a little sick or whatever. And you know, and then you just deal with it. But you're so distracted with life because you, you have to go to work, you have to do comedy, you have to do whatever, travel. And now it's like, oh, I just have to stare at the walls and just think about everything in my body that's breaking down right now, which it's <laughs> not as far as I know. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm developing that. that like, yeah. I, I never worried about it too much. I, I never had any like nervousness with doctors. So if like, I was feeling bad, I would go to a doctor. I wasn't like, I never feel anything about it. But now I'm like, 
is is this little thing i'm feeling everything is this like exactly <laughs> and they, like that's what i was going through and like you always have the safety net of just okay we'll just go to the doctor and like i mean luckily if you have insurance or whatever like i've always been lucky and and but like right now it's like can you can you a can you go to the doctor b let's say something terrible is happening do i want to go to the emergency room right now and yeah, not like, get covid if i don't you know like already have it so it's like so that safety net's taken away from you plus you just have 24 hours a day without going to work, without distractions, without going to see friends. So you're just like, well, I guess I'm just going to look inward and, uh, and just, just die inside every single day. So, but so it's, overall it's good. So We're overall good. George, the, George, the shorter answer is I'm doing great. Doing great. <laughs> I do feel like that whole thing was definitely amplified for me once I started going back to work. Cause I'm, yeah. I'm back out in the world and like, okay. Before I was actually working, because I, I was shut down for probably two or three months of this, and then mm -hmm. started going back. But like for those two or three months, I, I was thriving, and like I, I wasn't even like oh yeah joking yeah. when I would tell people that like I was in my element. It was great. Oh, it was great. <laughs> like my wife and I are here. Well, you know, she's working from home. I have like you know a little bit of work coming here and there. Like we're okay. And like I would go for a long walk in South Philly, like we were talking about. Like I go for like seven mile walk in the morning, come back drink some coffee out behind my apartment, read, which I'm not a reader, but like, I, I was just like, I was just tearing through books because I have the time to do it. And then it was like, get some work done in the afternoon and then maybe have some drinks and, and uh, some dinner with my wife, watch some TV, some Netflix. And it was like, the, it was like retirement. It was like, this is what retirement is. And I'm yeah. loving it. And then that all just sort of breaks down. Yeah. Slowly it deteriorates. It just chunks off. Right. Yeah, I, I feel like I've had the, the opposite of the, uh, uh, What's his name? Uh, Mick from Rocky. That guy's name. Mickey. Yeah, whatever. The guy who plays him from the the Twilight. Burgess Meredith. Oh, time enough at last. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Yes. I, I had like the opposite experience of that. Where like I set a goal this year to try to read more, and I was doing great. And then quarantine hit, and I was like, oh man, this couldn't have gone any better. I'm actually going to hit all of these goals I set for myself. And then I hit those goals like two months ago, and now it's like, what do I do? <laughs> like. Yeah. I don't have that thing on paper to motivate me to do the things I was doing anymore. Exactly. So like, how do I continue this? Yeah. So yeah. As you guys were talking about reading, I like looked over, I have like a little bookshelf thing over here of books that I've read maybe half of. Uh, and I mean like half of the book. Um, right. And there's one that every time I sit down, it's just, it's one of my girlfriends, but it's a Stevie Nicks autobiography or biography. Yeah. And every time I sit on the couch and I'm just like watching TV or something, I look over and it's just Stevie Nicks judging me. Like you have all these books. <laughs> I feel like most of the words in that book are howling. Yes. <laughs> are you a Stevie? Are you, are you guys, and this is just a random thing. Are you guys Stevie Nicks fans at all? Like, is it just, do you, my just girlfriend is, I, I support her in her fandom of Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac. Right, but then I'll bring up like Peter Green, Fleetwood Mac, and she'll just want nothing to do with it. She likes the Black Magic Woman side of Fleetwood Mac. Sure, there is. I'm pulling this up right now, and I, I apologize because I'm just uh, ADD. But you guys have to see if you ever see it. And like, like Fleetwood Mac is fine. It's just like I don't have an issue with it. Like it was around <laughs> when I was an infant, so it was like I. It's just sort of in my DNA. You know that kind of like music that's just like there. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to share this with you right now. I have to do this. And I apologize. We're, we're doing this on a podcast right now. Uh, but there is a, I, I found it about, I think actually John McKeever was the one who shared it with me about five years ago. We were working together on a TV show and like, we were just sitting there and he was like, you got to see this. And it's Stevie Nicks, I think in 1981, 
she's getting makeup done. I think it's for like a Rolling Stone shoot or something like that. And she, the woman is doing her makeup. And then she just starts singing. There's like a guy, I guess, playing guitar. Her guitarist is playing guitar. And she just starts singing her song, Wild Hearts. Like in the face of the woman who's doing her makeup. And it's like the audacity. Of like this woman's <laughs> just trying to do her job. And she just starts singing at her from like six inches away. But it's literally one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. And the way she does it. And then the, finally the woman just like stops doing her makeup and just sits there and just enjoys it. And it's the most rousing rendition of this song. And by the way, like I didn't even really know this song, but like I went and actually listened to the Stevie Nicks of Wild Hearts. It's shit. It's so <laughs> it's, it's just like this 80s, like crappy production, just really run of the mill, minor radio hit. And this version of it is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I, I saw that song on a list recently and I listened to it and I specifically didn't like it. But the little clip I just listened to now sounds it's like a beautiful voice. And it's like, why, why is that not why is that not done that way? And like and it's I'm sure it's the early 80s coked up production value of like, well, we got to put this in and this drum track. And it's, and it's like, no, leave it be what that is, because it's it's amazing. I mean, a part of that has to be like you're, what you're saying, the 80s thing. And that, that, I, would, I would guess 81 is when she was was with uh, Jimmy Iovine and he had his hands in like, every single pop artist of the era just kind of putting so much into all of it. Wait, yeah. Dan, did I ever tell you the story about Anti-Flag and Jimmy Iovine? No. Anti-Flag... It was right after, I think, like the Mobilize record. For some reason, I know like <laughs> the discographies of Anti-Flag. Um, but uh, they went in to meet with him. And it was right around when like U2 was coming out with How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb. And I guess Jimmy Iovine thought that like, okay, they're like rock guys. I'm going to play them the new U2 album because they're political and they're rock. Uh, and he like turns it on as loud as he can. And there was, a, there was an interview with the bass player from Manifold, and he was like, you had to tell Jimmy Iovine to turn down U2. We didn't want to listen to it at all. <laughs> I, I've been reading um, Jensen Karp's book from when he was Hot Carl, and he was being signed by Interscope. Mm -hmm. And he has this whole bit where, like, there were, there was two record companies competing for him. He had a meeting with Jimmy Iovine at Jimmy Iovine's house, and just to show off how rich he was and the power he had over the industry, Jimmy Iovine invited the other guy over at 10 p.m. to just show up at his house. Jensen Karp was basically saying the negotiation wasn't so much a negotiation, but going, who would you rather sign with? The guy who shows up at someone's house at 10 p.m. or the guy who can get his competitors to show up at his house at 10 p.m.? Oh, my God. Man. I just, I don't... I hope we never have to deal with people like that. Like, it might be fun to be famous. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But I don't want to deal with some sort of, like, you hear the nightmare stories of, like, working with uh, Phil Spector from back in, back in the day. And you got to think, like, a couple of those people still exist. But, you know, you know what would be pretty awesome would be hanging out with Phil Spector in prison. We're talking about all y'all. That was a terrible segue, but I yeah, said keep it. it. Anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, Chip, what's what's something that makes you feel awe or leaves you feeling awe? Well, I, you know, I'm not going to, we don't even have to change the subject too much because I was thinking about it. And uh, it's, I mean, it's, and we can get into specifics, but it's, it's music that, that 
all that inspires all in me, you know, just, uh, mm. I've always been a music fan. It's, it's in my DNA and there are certain bands, certain artists, certain songs, uh, that just like, they like, they, there's nothing else that, that makes me sort of gasp or, you know, just, it, it, it's, it always amazes me. And like, I'm not in the woods. Like I, I can play guitar. I, I know chords on a guitar. I'm not good, but, and I, I sang in high school and all, and, but, and, uh, did theater and that type of thing. But, uh, I don't know the mathematics behind music necessarily, but I know it's just like, like how do certain tones, certain sounds, certain rhythms just like create this emotion in our brains somehow? Like, it's just, it doesn't, like you can't do that with lights necessarily. Like you can't do like certain colors and lights. I mean, maybe, but like, it's just, it, music just kind of like hits me like that. And, and I guess the same thing could be said. I mean, we're all comedians. It's like, obviously we can do something to elicit a response, a physical response out of people, which it's, it's always fun and it's always interesting. And I think it's just stand up was always my backup to music. I like, I always wanted to be a music a musician, but I was never that good. I was never that cool. So it was like, well, I can't tell jokes so I can sort of do that. So yeah, I think just, just music, seeing live music, listen to music is just, that's the, that's the thing that, uh, do you have like a top three? of just song because we do a playlist for each episode now. Yeah. So we'll definitely include those. What's like the top three songs that have just like, you sat there and gone, whoa. I might have to be a little more general. And, and it's funny because like, I can give you like my top few favorite songs of all time, mm -hmm. but like that don't, but they don't necessarily inspire all of me. Like favorite song of all time, hands down is REM's It's the End of the World as We Know It. It's been my favorite song since I was 14, but it's like that, song like it is nostalgia to me and it's just amazing but it's not like all oh, but like um i mean you listen to like i mean this is pretty cliche i guess but like god only knows by the beach boys mm -hmm. like how do you yeah. it's like yeah. undeniably like uh you know that's um, one you were talking about the tones and everything it's like how do, how do you know when you're writing that song that it's going to be that perfect right right exactly ketamine <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um one of my favorite moments in my life i was and I grew up as a Beach Boys fan. My my parents, my dad especially, was huge Beach Boys fan. So like it was just ingrained in us. My favorite song from the time I could talk was "I Get Around" by the Beach mm -hmm. Boys. You know, it was like that was the song that when I was three years old I wanted to hear. And so like we went. My tenth birthday present was to go see the Beach Boys live with Stamos on drums. Oh, That's the best incarnation fun. of Beach Boys, of course. Right? <laughs> so. Um, we grew up going to see, and then the, you know, we, whenever the beach boys would come to town, we'd go to see them. Um, side story. I, this was like a big moment in my life. I, I was opening for Bob Saget for a while and became friends with Bob and he's friends with the beat. He literally had the beach boys play his 60th birthday party. Like he's friends with them. And I was at the, this was in 2014. I think I was at the Borgata opening for Bob on a Saturday night, Friday night the beach boys just randomly were playing at the Borgata in the same room, the, the, the music box. And I had called and Bob and I had talked about it. He's like, Oh yeah. If beach boys ever come to Philly, just let me know. He's like, I got your tickets, whatever. So it just so happened. I saw this a couple of weeks ahead of time and the beach boys were coming and I got, uh, I called Bob and I was like, Hey, I was like, anyway, are you going to be in town? Could we like, you know, and he's like, I'm not going to be in town, but he's like, give me a couple of days. And he hooks me up with the manager of the Beach Boys and not only gets me tickets, but gets me backstage passes to a meet and greet 
So I got to bring my parents to meet the Beach Boys. Oh my God, Jesus. that's awesome. And it was just like, <laughs> done, all right, this is over. And like, you know, like my, my brother is the one, like he's, he gave him the grandkids and this and that. And it's like, yeah. well, I also got, I got you to meet the, the, the Beach Boys. And it was yeah. like, it was just such a big moment. <laughs> yeah, I need to find my Beach Boys now. My brother gave my parents two grandkids. So I was like, all right, what's my Beach Boys? That's all you gotta you do. That's all you gotta do. So, um, but, but anyway, a couple years before that, we saw, he was doing pet sounds, but it was Brian Wilson. So Brian Wilson was yeah. touring live mm-hmm. with like a full symphony orchestra doing pet sounds. And maybe it was the 50th anniversary. I forget, but he, it was at the man music center in Philly. So we're just, you know, he's got these seats, the man, and he comes out and he's old and he's Brian Wilson. So it's just crazy. And he's doing his thing and um, going, he's going through the album. And at one point, you know, of course he does God only knows. And it's like, just grown men in tears just everywhere you know just like the most and it's full symphony orchestra the greatest song maybe the millennium and he's sitting there on his little keyboard playing with his like profile to the audience and finishes god only knows literally grown men everywhere are crying and he just turns to the crowd and goes isn't that a pretty song? <laughs> like, as if we've never heard it before. And he just kind of shut it off. Isn't that a pretty song? Yes, it's a pretty song, Brian. We know. And just and thinking about the moment that people must have been having there of like, even if you were the biggest Beach Boys fan and you saw it live when it happened, when it was brand new, you've lived an entire life between getting to see that song live first and seeing it again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And just, and the staying power of it, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, songs come and go, uh, uh, fads come and go, different styles come and go, but it's just like, it just stays. And I think that's, and one of the things I was actually looking through, I was like, I look, cause I love to make lists, you know, high fidelity style. And like, I was like going through like some of my favorite bands and, um, and with like the all inspiring stuff. And like, you know, again, like some of my favorites, yeah, like I love REM. I love like pavements, one of my favorite bands, the Pixies. And it's like, I, I don't necessarily, if I'm all inspired by them, I love them. And they're like yeah. my favorites. Um, but the ones that really like inspire all like, like the beach boys. Um, another one is, uh, uh, anything by, uh, Cigaros. If you guys know. Cigaros. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I once spent a week cause I, I play guitar and I had a pedal. It's called the hall of fame by TC electronics, but it has a button that if you tap in on an app on your phone, it has preset reverb and Cigaros had their own preset on there. And what you do is you oh, hold the phone up to the pickup. And it sends, it sounds like internet in the 90s, like yeah. <laughs> noise, and it recalibrates the pedal to sound whatever it needs oh to go God. through. That's so crazy. I would just play with that and left it on the zero thing for months, just doing like crazy reverb things, just That's hitting one note awesome. and let it last for 45 minutes through a loop pedal. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, no, oh. they're incredible. They're just, and I, I got into them you know, early two thousands, you know, buddy of mine gave me the CD, you know, and, and I got into them and I really liked it. And it was one of those things I was a teacher at the time I used to teach fourth grade and it was the one group I could listen to while I was like grading papers because I couldn't understand the lyrics. So like if there's lyrics in music, it, it just, I can't do paperwork yeah. or do writing because I'm too distracted. Oh, yeah. I'm, but for I'm this, the same way. Yeah. yeah. But for this, it's like, I don't know what they're saying. So it's like, it does, it's just background music, it's classical music basically. And I loved it. And then, uh, a few of my friends had an extra ticket again, actually at the music box at the Borgata, they had tickets to see uh cigarettes. And this was like 2006, maybe 2005. That's around and, when I saw them. Yeah. Okay. I think, I yeah. think that was the last time they toured was then I saw, I saw them in Boston at an outdoor thing. Okay. One of the, cause like it, there, there's 
like three shows in my life that I even remember as like specifically these were incredible moments. Cause you I've really got to stop so doing that many drugs, Dan. Come on. <laughs> well, it's just, I've been to so many and so many are of the same genre that they kind of bleed together. But like I saw, I saw Bowie, I saw Miley Cyrus with the flaming lips and Dan Deacon, which was an unbelievable show. That and is then, a crazy lineup. It was Miley Cyrus. The flaming lips were her band. They, they weren't playing also. Uh, it was still cool. That's so crazy. Yeah. The the other one is the Cigarro show. They played an outdoor show like right on the Boston Harbor, and it was pouring. And they were intentionally using the sound of the rain as an instrument throughout the night. Of like, if they didn't uh, want you to hear it for what was going on in the song, they would drown it out. But if it worked with what they were doing, they would all just play softer and work it in together. It was magical. That uh, is that's crazy. that's incredible. They are just. Um, and like and and it's like one of those bands where it's like I it's like it's my band and I want to share it with everyone, but I also don't want people to ruin it. So it's yeah. like it's a, and it's like why how is this not the greatest music? You know how is this not on every radio station? And obviously it's not radio friendly, but it's um but that first show when I saw them in like oh six or whatever I I went and like usually I'm not like and and I was like a fish head back in the day and I've seen tons of fish shows which were some of them were incredible you know it's, you smoke some weed or whatever and this was. I had gotten high and I gotten a little too high. And I, and, and again, like I'm not a guy who like gets really wasted to go to shows, but for, but I was with some of my old fraternity brothers and we're like in the casino, we got pretty high and I had to sit by myself because it was, they had an extra ticket, but it was by myself. And I was kind of up in the music box. Oh, that's a pretty, yeah, it's like 900 seats. So it's pretty, it's, it's yeah, pretty yeah. intimate. And it was like, it was, I, it, we were waiting in line for the show to get in for it to open. And like, I was like, a, I was bugging out a little bit. I was, I was a little too. And then I got in, and I sat, and instead of having an opening act, they just on stage had these two, they looked like giant oversized, those old like lights that almost, you know, those sirens that like back from like the seventies and eighties shows that like a cop would put on top of his car with like the suction cup. It was like yeah. a yeah, cylinder, yeah. you know, and it went around. It was like almost like that slash like searchlights, but it was just white. And for 45 minutes before the show, it was just this like sound of boom. <laughs> and during that time i just kind of came down from my high and by the time they hit the stage i was just in that perfect sweet spot of just like completely relaxed but yet like i was clear-headed but just felt great and they put on the greatest show i've ever seen that's and incredible that, yeah that, and that creates such a sonic place that like you can't not be in music mode if you're just sitting there just being yeah. absorbed into that environment like that's in this like meditative state just yeah, and that's exactly what it was and then i've seen them like four or five times since i saw them at the skyline stage of the man i saw them at the academy of music oh, that'd be awesome. at the man at like just in the main stage of the man and like every time it's like it's like it's going to church man it's just it's it's amazing and then you just put i just put it on around the house or just listen to it and it just i mean it just blows me away and uh the, like the the music videos that they have are incredible, and the, and I've always wanted to go to Iceland. I'm just obsessed with the the scenery. And they did it. We actually went. It was a bunch of comedy people went, maybe in like 2011 to the International House at Penn to go see their documentary, their concert doc. Uh, I think it was called Hema. I think yeah, yeah. Uh, that they did, which is just an incredible movie. So uh, yeah, yeah that, everything they that do. Is also, like they're they have such an eye towards art in everything that they create. Mm -hmm. like i remember seeing i forget what the like agreed upon name is but the the parentheses album and the untitled yep. one the brackets or whatever yeah. yeah 
whatever that that video is where it's like a nuclear winter yep and i remember the first time i watched it i had like trudged over to my friend's house in a blizzard like walking through the street which is like my favorite thing to do that's why oh, i love course. being on the east coast is because when it snows i can walk in the street i yep i yeah. love it yeah. i can't wait to bail out and just go live in arizona somewhere i never want to see <laughs> snow again <laughs> I, I i hate it to think about but those moments make it feel worth it but no, because I've never I, been like a snow pants person. So it's oh, only just sure, jeans. Yeah. So it's just they're wet. The boots never feel. I just, no. Yeah, I, I had just George. walked to his house, like trudging through this. And then the video for that song came out. And we were watching it. And it just like matched what we were experiencing so well, aside from like the nuclear winter part of it. But just tonally and visually, it was what we were dealing with. And then I had to walk home later and all I just put it on. And it was like I put myself in the space that they had created. That's, it was, it was that's really great. fun. It was really cool. It's crazy. But also, I, I've seen Yonsei live. Really? And that in itself is an experience. It like, I, I love his first album. I haven't heard the new one yet. But the the first solo album that he put out is it's very pop oriented he's singing more in english not entirely in english but kind of mostly in english so you just kind of you're able to clue into it better as an english speaker mm -hmm. and you're you go you see the show and it's it seems very very casual it's just he's he's up there being yonsi still still a weirdo but sure. nothing nothing crazy but you get to the, the last song they they played uh grow tall tall if you want to look up the video there's a video of this performance online somewhere on youtube but the the whole time the aesthetic on the stage was basically this like urban decay looking greenhouse where that was the back we, we were on the inside looking out and like it's usually like beautiful like it's it's pristine landscapes behind it and the the more you work through the set the more that starts to decay also until you oh, get wow. to the last song it was literally like a snowstorm. Then it turned into a rainstorm. Then it just starts like the wind is whipping around. The lights are following it around the entire building. Oh, that's like I'm, I'm in the, the pit at the factory and you're just being surrounded by the nature that they created for you. And I was literally having a panic attack because it felt like I was in a tornado. Ah, uh, that's great. Isn't it like the fact that like music can do that in general, like that I think is all inspiring. I'm just like, the fact that with the right soundtrack and the right environment that can be manipulated, we can elicit that creative emotion. Like, like you were saying, like as comedians, yeah, we have an un involuntary response to humor. Like we have to laugh. I think there was like a Pete Holmes joke where he's talking about like, imagine if like someone did magic and like you had an involuntary response to magic where you're just like, ah, magic. Uh, we have an involuntary response to, to comedy because we laugh at it. With music, it's double-fold the, the level of manipulation that we can go through to, to elicit response. Yeah. Um, and back to also what you were saying with R.E.M. where you're like, yo, my favorite song because nostalgic-wise, it's the end of the world that we know it. I feel like, yeah, that's a nostalgic song, but it's not the way that uh, emotionally people can react to like night swimming. Right. Oh, yeah. Completely different. Yeah, completely well, different. Same band, same yeah. coming from the same guy, essentially same group of yeah. guys. Yeah. But like, that's the awe song, you know, like it's like, oh, right. shit. And, yeah. Which with night swimming is like, I can't not get chills when that, you know, because, mm -hmm. you know, that and that's just and of course, that also hit me. Uh, 
you know, I was like a freshman in high school when I think when night oh, swimming, very came. emotional like, time. Oh, that's <laughs> just like, I'm just done. I'm just, it's over, you know, your first girlfriend or whatever. And it's just yeah. like, uh, like night swimming is just, yeah. It's yeah. yeah that, that, that song specifically, cause I'm not a huge REM fan, but that song shows to me how incredible of a band they are because I could care less about 98% of REM songs. And that song blows me away. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah, it's uh, it's just, it's it's gorgeous. And and again, it's and, and I think one of those things that with sort of the staying power type and all inspiring, like you can have, you know, a certain song, a certain band. Uh, you know, you look at like I was a grunge kid too, so it was like you know Pearl Jam or Nirvana or whatever. And like that's a very specific thing. And you know, of course, I'm not saying it's outdated, but it's of its time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like okay, early '90s. Put me early '90s. Like you know, even U2. Like I was a U2 fan back. A little like right around that little bit before that too like the 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 how to dismantle era that you guys were talking about where yeah. it's like ah, nah, whatever later, yeah. but like joshua tree uh October baby you know it's like great you know um, i thought i had more u2 in my record collection and i read to like alphabetize them and all i have is rattle and hum i'm a little upset I, I okay. a single one because i could only ever find them in bunches and i only ever wanted the first three <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I think the stretch of the first few were good, like you know, you got War and Boy and October and all. Those are those are decent. But then it's like the stretch, the the big three stretch of of uh, Joshua Tree into Rattle and Hum into Octung Baby is like that's just their sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much all I need. But like they're uh, they're also of its time. Like when we're talking about you know Brian Wilson and, and his you know not the early Beach stuff, but like the the Pet Sounds, the Smile stuff is it's kind of has this classical element uh Cyrus is is the same way you know and where it's like this timeless thing too where it's like it doesn't like you can if you listen to it you're like i don't know this could have come out a hundred years ago or it could come out it might have come out in the future and there's like there's not a time <laughs> so i think that yeah. it's kind of that mystery to it of yeah. you know like i'm looking at some of my other favorites right now and it's like you look at things like um you know like another awe-inspiring one for me was i specifically remember this moment but um i was i was in college and i had just gotten a cd the night before i went out and bought it and uh, i was kind of a fan of this band i knew some of their songs or whatever and i bought this album that had just come out and i was getting ready for class i got out of the showers in my fraternity house i got out of the shower and i put the cd on so as i was getting ready for class i was just going to start listening to it it was uh, Radiohead's OK Computer. Hmm. And oh, like, yeah, yeah. I was in my towel and I put it on and I was like, what is happening? <laughs> and I just stood there and listened to it. And then I literally sat down on my couch in my little fraternity room in my towel and just listened to it. And I was like, OK, well, I'm just going to listen to one more song. And then, you know, then I'll get ready. And then it was like two more songs. And then it was like, well, I can listen to like three more songs and then I can run to class and I'll still get there on time. I just skipped class that day yeah. and I just sat there for like three hours and just listen to okay computer and again that's one of those ones that's it's like this kind of this timeless thing and like later radiohead too of course like kid a amnesia amnesiac like on is just this very you know i put that in to this certain extent the same bucket as as like cigarettes where it's like this like kind of timeless yeah uh timeless you know just thing um and then another one one another one of my favorites is uh is uh jeff buckley's grace when i got grace that's what i want to dive into i've yeah. not listened like i haven't dove into jeff buckley it's just get grace and listen to and it's just it's beautiful but it's also very 
timeless. Like he does some standards. He does some like older stuff. He does some real, there's definitely some rocking stuff in there. I mean, there's definitely a grunge feel to it. It's 94, mm-hmm. uh, but it's just, it, and it, of course it's sad and emotional and just beautiful. And like everybody knows his rendition of Alleluia, which is on there, which is great. It's kind of, I think it's kind of overplayed, but it's just, it's yeah. That's not that his song. fault yeah. because he was kind of the, one of the ones that was, I don't know if he was probably not the first one, but like he definitely was like the, I think the first real well-known to like, Oh, I'm doing Leonard Cohen's song. And then like, mm-hmm. since then everybody has done it, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, get grace. And it's, I mean, that's his only real album. He, he, there's another album out that wasn't finished when he, when he died, but um, I mean, get grace and you'll just, you'll be blown yeah. away. Do you find that when uh, a record has that, where it's like, it's got the hit on it that you find yourself having to like explain all the time, like in the same vein, what you're talking about, maybe not to the same extent, but, I love uh, Death Cab for Cutie's plans. I feel like it's a record you can kind of throw on and sort of lose yourself into it a little bit. That is the Death Cab album that I love. I don't love any of the other ones. But that's the thing. As soon as like, like we've all heard uh, I Will Follow You Into the Dark. And we're like, I I get that it's on there. It's the first song on the B side if you play the record. It's like that A side is just as powerful (laughs) as a whole. Just Mm -hmm. don't. It's also the same thing and much less, but one of the most entertaining albums I've ever listened to is uh, Welcome Interstate Managers by Fountains of Wayne. It's the song, it's the album with Stacey's mom on it. But that's the worst song on the record. (laughs) Easily the worst song on that record. (laughs) Exactly. And that's, you know, it's funny you brought up Death Cab because my wife and I have been listening to a lot of, we've definitely been listening to Narrow Stairs. Is it Mm. Narrow Stairs? Is that what it is? Yeah, Narrow Stairs. But but we've listened to, to a bunch of their albums. But that was a band that I rejected just because of the name oh 100 percent. Like, yeah i don't need this and i was and i think george i, I think you're, you're like an emo guy like you very much so. big emo fan. and like <laughs> I, I actually it's funny i actually tweeted this a couple of weeks ago that um i think the big thing in my my wife and my marriage is is that, that we can't reconcile mm-hmm. is that we're so different because she's she's five years younger than me which isn't a huge deal but it's like we have a huge difference in that she likes later emo and mm-hmm. i only like older emo because it's like it was just the, the our age of like you know like i if, if you ask me if i like emo i'm like no it's the worst and it's like you know my chemical romance and, and all this stuff and i was like no and like i but like you look back it's like sunny day real estate yeah the promise ring is one of my favorite bands like i just love those and get up kids and then but like that was right around the time when def cab came out where i was like no i'm turning this all off and going back a decade and listening to all this indie stuff that i wanted to and uh and then finally like just r- more recently i was like i'm gonna give this death cab thing a chance because a buddy of mine was really into it he grew up with them like in oregon and mm. and, the, and then i listened to it, i was like oh this is the best this is this is great and yeah. and to a certain extent it kind of has that i mean there's definitely some beach boys feels at least on narrow stairs and like mm. there's there there's definitely that that feel to it where that's kind of like my death cab's kind of my my thing right now i've been listening to a lot yeah it's 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 great to lose yourself in i've been finding that one um trying to think because now i think we're just getting to the topic of like albums still just like soak in yes yeah and i feel like plans is great for that narrow stage is great for that uh pink moon but nick drake okay dude it's on. Oh, it's yeah. on my list right here. <laughs> That's that is the other thing that we've been literally we've been going back and forth. Uh, we sit out back behind our, our place. We got like a little parking area back mm. behind my my place. We got a little parking spot where I can sit. And li- I swear to you, the two things that we've been going back and forth the last couple of weeks is either Death Cab or Nick Drake. So good. 
and it's on my list. And Nick Drake is just, he's another one that just, I can't. And like, I, of course it's cliche. Like I got into Nick Drake in 2001 or 2000 when that Volkswagen Cabrio commercial came yeah. out. Yeah. And like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it was like, but like, that's all I needed. And I just became this huge fan. There is a, uh, uh, be back in the olden times before COVID, uh, when I was on the road, I would to fall asleep, like, like fall asleep to the TV or whatever in my hotel room, I would put on, just put my laptop on the end table and there's a, it's on YouTube. There's a 45 minute Nick Drake documentary called a skin too few, I think. Mm. And it's like the most mesmerizing, just like laid back, but sad and just very British uh, documentary <laughs> about Nick Drake. And it's like my favorite thing. And I would I, like on a nightly basis, if I was gone for a week, five nights out of the week, I would fall asleep to that, to that movie. But that is, Nick Drake is, yeah, it's is fantastic. An, and, and again, how did he not get bigger? Like how yeah. did he not become huge? Even be, yeah, music is littered with people like that, where it's like, I don't understand how Yeah, no one, like all it took was like one or two other people. And like, of course, it's always like the documentary that pops out, but even like beyond that, like, that's the thing is like, what else are we missing? That's the part that bothered me. Like you can watch the big star documentary all you want, but it was like, there was three other bands in Memphis that was probably doing just as cool shit and we'll never hear about them. Right. Which also gives me hope too. Cause I kind of like that. Cause it's like, then we can go back and discover yeah. something great. Like, like, you know, I, even just on an easy level, like death cab sucked. I was like, this is dumb. But then I go back and listen to it and it's like, Oh, this is great. And it was like a discovery that was there. Like, do you guys ever do this? This was a big thing. And of course this is before streaming to a certain extent, but like, when you would hear a really cool song by a band that you never heard before, and then you go back to your record collection and realize you have that song <laughs> on an yeah. album already. You're like, I, yeah. have, I have this. this is great. <laughs> and it's, so it's like, yeah, it's like, I love going back and find, but there are, there's so many great bands out there that we just, that we don't. I don't recently, uh, I recently had that where my stepdad who every year for Christmas, he's got like, thousands of records and boxes that are just slowly deteriorating but he knows that i like records so like every christmas and birthday he gives me like a small stack he wraps them himself it's like his one thing and he's like there that's you great. go that's uh, great. and i always get stuff and my stepdad's from michigan right i was always really into emo and punk rock punk rock when i was younger and then it kind of gets more emotional um i have so many like original stooges records original mc5 records uh, oh, wow. like all these Detroit bands that he could have been like, these are like, yeah, here's your gift of just like, you know, top 50 classical things that you throw on while you're eating dinner or some records that he kind of mixes in with like yeah. MC five's first record. That is insane. That like you hear kick out the jams and you're like, Oh, it's okay. Like, it's like the first time someone swore that's neat. Like in pop. <laughs> right. <laughs> But then it's like, oh shit, no, I have this whole record and it's live and it's their first record. Why would they make their first record a live record? Live album. Like, yeah. And so you just sort of break it down. You're like, John, what the fuck? <laughs> this was here the whole time. <laughs> yes. And it also goes to show you what we're spoon fed in the media. As mm -hmm. like you said, like, it's like the things that make it to like, you, like I always loved radio, but you just look at it and it's like, you know, Philly radio to a certain extent, uh, there's some great stuff, but it's like, classic rock radio or whatever it's like how many times do i need to hear the foo fighters and led zeppelin and the chili peppers listen sometimes you gotta let the let out every wednesday exactly <laughs> um we go up to we have family friends who live on the coast of maine and we we go up there 
every year, like since I was a kid and this is one of the first years we're not going up there. And it's like, it's rough cause we'd be up there right now, but, yeah. um, we, they just have this little cabin and it's, it's like in the middle of nowhere, but it's great, but it, it's outside of Bar Harbor. It's, it's, it's amazing, but it's right on the water and it's rustic and it's just great, but they have a radio station up there. It's WKIT and you can stream it. And I suggest highly suggested it. it's a classic rock station that's been around for decades and it's Brewer Bangor, Maine, you know, like Bar Harbor area. <laughs> And it's a classic rock station. What happened was in the 90s, Clear Channel was going to buy it because Clear Channel was buying everything up and turning it into corporate radio and it was going to be shit. And Stephen King, who is a huge rock fan, who's from Maine, <laughs> heard about it and was like, no, fuck you, Clear Channel. I'm buying it. He bought the radio station. So now it's called Stephen King's WKIT, classic rock radio. And basically he just gave them the keys and was like, just keep doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's awesome. And it's the most amazing because it's very, and again, it's a little backwoodsy up there to a certain extent, but so it's like a lot of like, you know, ZZ top and, and, yeah. you know, uh, uh, you know, Skinnered, but it's the deepest cuts of like ZZ tops space trucking, which I have <laughs> never heard of before. And no. <laughs> crazy. And like a lot of it's cheesy, but it's like stuff you would never hear. Yeah. And like Friday's, is it's all live on Fridays. And then they do like the syndicated shows. They'll do like little Steven's underground garage on Sunday nights or whatever. Mm -hmm. and, and they'll do blues stuff. And it's just stuff that we never hear. Uh, you know, like you would never hear in Philadelphia, but it's just, we just have it on 24 hours a day when we're up in Maine. It's just like the greatest little things that slide through the cracks. Yeah. Did you ever hear the story about Stephen King and the Ramones? No. So the Ramones, oh, George, what? Let's go to break and then we'll come back and tell that story. But I have a story. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, my name is John Koppel and I want to tell you about my new podcast. It's called Peaks. We'll be discussing the most interesting peak periods in the lives of people that have dominated pop culture. Early subjects include Ben Stiller from 1998 to 2001. Macaulay Culkin from 1990 to 1994, Britney Spears from 98 to 2003, and Eddie Murphy from 82 to 88. Yeah, we're going to do Eddie. Each episode will feature a new guest and a new subject. We'll talk about what the greatest moment was, the biggest flex, the toughest competition, what ended it, the bounce back moments, and much more. Every episode will be packed with entertaining clips, interesting facts, and passionate opinions. So if you want to hear about the most groundbreaking, influential people when they were having their biggest impacts on the world, subscribe to Peaks wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you. All right, and we're back. <laughs> we did it! So here's the story of, of the Ramones. Apparently, the Ramones were asked to do the song Pet Cemetery for the movie Pet Cemetery. The way the Ramones have told it for years is that uh, Stephen King invited them to their house in Maine and was just like real creepy the whole time. And they like broke it down and be like, yeah, he's like, he's like Lord Byron or something. Like he's real creepy, like lives up in this mansion in Maine and stuff. And when the biographer asked Stephen King about it, I was like, yeah, no, that never happened. Like I, I thought it'd be <laughs> cool if they did it. But then they were like, well, do you want to like say that that didn't happen? He was like, no, 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 no. Print the legend. 
just print that, the legend. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, that's so it's just great. like, even what Stephen is, King was like, experience? <laughs> like I just, did they just make up a story? Yeah, I think, that, I mean, if, if Didi Ramon can write Chinese rocks, that's you know true. that he was doing them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's wild. Yeah, it's great. It's damn. What are you? Wait, what, do you have a question for me? You, 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 you do the show. Do the show now. <laughs> oh, the thing that makes me feel awe? Yeah, gonna, that's what I was trying gonna, to say. It's going to basically keep us on the same path. Yeah, I think the, this is going to be a pretty heavy episode for this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the first one that came to mind for me was Purple Rain. Mm. Uh, the song, also the album, but specifically uh, the song. And the movie, starring John yeah. Travolta yeah. in an alternate universe. Yeah, we, we discussed it a little bit on the last episode that apparently the studio wanted John Travolta to be Prince in the Prince movie. No. <laughs> yeah. That's hysterical. Yeah, that I, I, I still can't picture it. I've had two weeks oh. to sit with that now. I still yeah. can't picture it. I just wow. love the, the thing that you photoshopped for like that one movie where he's in with... Uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, so he's got like the sweatband oh, yeah. already, and I'm just like, this is a good Photoshop, Dan. Yeah, I made sure to find a Travolta picture from the same era of Purple Rain. <laughs> That's incredible. He, he just I, um, looked like that. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I grew up with with Prince around, and you know, of course, in the zeitgeist, and like I knew Prince, I knew Purple Rain, and When Doves Cry, and some Bat Dance, you know, and like you know some of the later <laughs> stuff. But like, I was never like a Prince fan. Like, I was like, ah. Eh, kind of for girls or that's just like whatever like it's not it's not a thing that but i didn't dislike it but it would just i never really got on board and then in it was his musicology tour which was maybe like oh five yeah 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 and the the 2000s is like right that was my sweet spot of like hundreds of concerts that i went to i would go anywhere i could and my brother and his now wife had an extra ticket to go see they went to go see prince at the you know the wachovia center or whatever yeah and kind of as a joke I went, I was like, ah, whatever. I'll go see Prince kind of as a joke, just to see what it was like. And like, I walked out of that show speaking of all and like, A, I didn't understand exactly what kind of guitar player he was. Yeah. And then, I, think, I think that's what blows me away with purple rain. The most is there's two separate solos that are just like, they're in my head more than most other songs are just the solos from purple rain. Oh, it's uh, unreal. And then of course, like he, I mean, the whole out, the whole concert was amazing. There was like maybe three songs that I didn't know. Like I knew every song. I was like, how does he have this many hits? And then of course he closes with purple rain. And again, like talking about grown men in tears. And I just walked out of that show. Like I'm the biggest Prince fan now. Like this was the, it was the, he was, he was incredible. Yeah, that's, that, that's one of the few I, I regret not seeing. I, I've seen pretty much everyone else at like a legacy level that I wanted to see. And I, I really regret, because that, that would have been the one chance I had would have been that tour. And I really regret not going to that show. Yeah. Like I, I was still very new into Prince fandom where I was like, oh, if he's still touring now and putting out albums every year, uh, this will happen again. And then the opportunity just never came up again. Yeah. That's crazy. No, he's he's one of those people that like, you see like him doing my guitar gently weeps on i think it was like the rock and roll hall of fame solo where he's just like what what this is prince we're talking about this is like horny prince what what's going on uh at at that point too no one was really thinking of him that way because like by the time he did the the super bowl performance everyone's like oh yeah we already know prince is a great guitarist this is gonna be fun but for that rock hall one everyone's just like why would prince be up there with with those guys there's also a beautiful uh like just awe, awe 
inspiring video. I don't know what it's from, but it's some sort of documentary where he's recording bass. And it's the most complex, like slap finger style bass line. Like he's doing three different styles of bass while he's playing. It's perfect. Like, and you go like, oh, he can do that with every instrument. Yeah, like, like he is so much more than just a them. Dave Chappelle show punchline like sketch. Like this is an amazing musician and human. Yeah, I I can't wrap my head around like half of the things he does. And then yeah. you look at like Manic Monday is a perfect pop song. Yeah, and he just gave it to somebody else. Yeah. Like, so, nothing compares to you. That, yeah. That's one of my all time favorite songs. And like his version's fine. Like, but. That song with Sinead O'Connor's voice and what she does to it is so good. And it's just like, oh yeah, Prince just gave shit out to the world. Like, I think yeah. that's when people stopped going to church because they heard that song and they were like, damn, can't, yeah. that she's right. We got to rip up parachutes to the pulp more. <laughs> I, I had my first like real big crush on a girl when I was in seventh grade and you're like the first, you know, this girl that I did. And we, we were at a middle school dance. We we're at the dance and nothing compares to you was like a big song. And my buddies were like goading me to like, you gotta go ask her, go ask her to dance, go ask. And I was this like nerdy kid that had never danced with a girl before. And all I remember whenever I hear that song is just, trying to get up the courage, but not getting up the courage and just standing in the corner and not asking that girl to dance. And that was my, uh, that's my nothing compares to you. And now, uh, and now it's there. It's just always there. You it's, can't it's always change there. that. I love, it. I love it. It just makes it way more sad. And I, love it. I mean, not, not that I, I am somebody who would have the courage to go ask somebody. I don't think I could dance to that song. I think I would feel it too much. Oh yeah. It's just, it would just be just like, how do I move right now? Right. <laughs> That that song crushes me. See, this yeah. is the thing: is that like when I had to go to had to go to dances, when I had to start going to dances, like the soundtracks were so different. We didn't have a cool song like that, or maybe we did and just hasn't circled around to be like this is art. Like I think we just had like "Yeah" by Usher. Like that's the <laughs> only song yeah. Yeah. that I've yet. I remember that, and I remember walking around while they played uh, Boulevard of Broken Dreams because I was like, oh, I'm just going to like go kick rocks in the corner or something because like that was the hit. That was the yeah. slow song for the season for some goddamn <laughs> reason. Right. And it wasn't wasn't the most current song while it was happening, but my middle school guidance counselor for all three years I was there insisted that every dance end with closing time. <laughs> oh, wait, no, that's true too because every dance... I guess they just like there were no good slow songs between my seventh to like sophomore year of high school. Uh, was um, Edward McCain, I'll be like oh, they played right. that every yeah. dance, <laughs> but it was way after that song came out. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the only one they could go back and yeah, see. Yeah, like, there's no good slow songs, yeah, in the 2000s, it just wasn't, it was wasn't time for it. And actually, going back to it's the end of the world, and the reason it's my favorite thing, and this is so ridiculous, I was in like eighth or ninth grade and I was at. This is, I was at a church, like summer, it was like a, a Lutheran kids convention. It was at Bloomsburg <laughs> University and there's like thousands of the, you know, and like, I wasn't a big religious kid. Like we were active in our church, but like, we were never like religious, you know, it was like that. And I met this dude who was, who was there and he was like this cool kind of like alternative kid or whatever. And he was like real funny and real, like whatever. And uh, like everybody's dancing and like, we're the wallflower standing on a thing. He's like, oh, I got this song that we can we can dance to he's like just follow me and we're going to be the hit of this dance and he goes up and requests it's the end of the world as we know it 
And he's like, just do what I do. And he just starts running around, like twirling and like running around, like just going crazy. And we get the whole place to do it. <laughs> and like for the rest of the week, we were the two guys that like all the girls started like, oh, you're the REM guy. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then I started doing that. Like in high school, I just request that. And that's not a dance song, you know, yeah. but I would request it at dances and just like ruin everybody else's good time. But yeah, would, like there'd be like all the ahead. Yeah, that's not. Yeah. And we just run around and just like rip shit up. And that was, uh, that, that was, that would always break up the, the monotony of yeah, the dance. That reminds me, did anyone ever see that movie, Perks of Being a Wallflower? No, I, I read the book. The book is great. The movie actually is very good. And the soundtrack to that movie is mwah. Uh, it, it almost has to be. Like yeah. I, I had that, like, as I was reading the book, I was making a mixtape out of the songs that were mentioned. Yeah, it's great. So they, uh, at one scene, I don't know if it's in the book, because I remember reading, but I remember you reading it like in seventh grade. And it was one of them I got halfway through and I was like, ah, I'm just going to go smoke cigarettes by the track. In the movie, there's a scene where they're at the school dance and they start playing Come On Eileen. And the two, uh, like, brother and sister, team look at each other they're playing good music they're playing good music we have to go and like they start like tearing up a dance floor and like doing crazy shit to break up like the you know 18 times they've played i don't know some pop ballad from like the late 80s early 90s uh, that's how i feel at weddings is yeah. like as soon as i hear a song that i actually like it's like all right game on let's go <laughs> it's time to do it yeah it's all it's, it's what you need you need like the you need the one goofball to like bring everyone together so you can be like now it's time to dance you know yes like everyone we all know that they're gonna play some like frank sinatra croony music during weddings and stuff you know that they're gonna play shout but the point is is you gotta play shout before or right after you play like it's the end of the world as we know it or like something yes. tongue-in-cheek something kind of goofy funny silly that everyone goes like it just loosens the dial a little bit, you know? Yeah. You get everybody participating or paying attention and then you get them participating and then the night's yours. You can, you have them, you can do whatever you want. My brother uh, was a, he runs a planetarium now and he's a musician too, uh, but he's a drummer. But like for years he was a professional musician. He was in, he was in bands and then he was in a wedding band for a while. Uh, and like one of the big ones in the city for like EBE entertainment where, you know, like they go around, you know, to these high end weddings and play. And he did it for like five or six years and he just knows, like, th like going back to what you're talking about of like how to place songs. Like, we'll just be at weddings, and he'll just be like, "Up, oh, DJ fucked it up, just fucked it up," because he knows how to get people on a dance floor. Yeah. He knows how to keep people on dance floor. He knows how to cool it down, bring it back up, go to something nostalgic. Then you like rope in the older people by like playing, you know doing the twist or something like that and then bringing up and not putting on some crazy sexual song, but like something that's like fun, but like more modern and then just keeps everybody. And he just, there's just such a formula to it there is. to like getting people on the dance floor, keeping people on the dance floor and just keeping the night moving like perfectly. And yeah, it's, it's I remember incredible. joking at the last wedding I was at, actually no, probably not the last one because the last one was good. The one before that, <laughs> Where Make they, sure they don't listen to the show first before you go <laughs> off on this person's wedding. Well, every, everyone who's listening knows which one was the last one, so I had to make sure they don't. That. <laughs> After that, they don't know which the order is. So, <laughs> so they played Hey uh, during dinner. And I was like, you no. only have one oh, chance to play no. Hey uh. Like, no. why would you waste Hey uh? 
Oh man, that's like, like Hey-Ya is your, your savior. If you're losing the night, you put on Heya just to give yourself some some ground to stand on before you go again. I tend yep. to go to a lot of weddings in New Jersey, and the amount of people that play like Born to Run while desserts being served. Just no, that's yeah. not the time. <laughs> I, I also get a get a real kind of bad feeling i can't think of any examples right now maybe you guys can but there's like very popular like dancey songs that you hear at every wedding that are breakup songs yep yep yeah They're like oh you, you have to know better like I, <laughs> I get it you want the dance floor to get going but like you, you can't play a you cheated on me i'm leaving song like yeah but at the same time like if a de- wedding dj at like a shit wedding puts on the divinals touch myself I'm I'm tipping the yeah. DJ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like thank well, you. That's what it is. It's that kind of subversive, like screw you to the norm. I'm not we're not cool enough to dance to the new cool music. So let's put on I touch myself. Yeah. Let's put on it's the end of the world as we know it and just burn the whole place down. Yeah. Like that was always my MO to like, yeah. That's how I yeah. do with stand-up. <laughs> I'm like, if none of you are enjoying this, I'm just going to do shit for me now. <laughs> right. right. My, my general approach to everything is, I don't know, let's burn it down. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay. So George, what's something that, that leaves you in awe? So my answer is kind of a two-parter. One is like a small microcosm of something that was like happened this week within music that i found out but it kind of goes into a bigger idea that encompasses everything so honestly thank you for putting me at the end i'm gonna fucking kill it uh oh you better now (laughs) so uh as a dan i think you know this i'm a giant bobby darren fan i think we've talked about it on the show i love bobby darren so much i think he is one of the greatest performers to have ever lived I very think, underrated and and i don't think it's the due because he died so young yeah. so people kind of forget about it. but oh my god he was good he was so good like you can listen my favorite thing is listening to like this live thing on spotify um that was live at the desert inn and it's definitely one of his lounge shows so he wasn't doing splish splash he wasn't doing mac the knife he was doing songs he wanted to do and at one point he does a beatles medley and it was right after they broke up and he's doing shtick on stage but he's doing it so dry and deadpan that it's just beautiful like he's sitting there he's like uh i want to sing a couple songs from the wizards of liverpool for you i I don't know if (laughs) i don't know if you guys are upset but i i sure am i think they left behind some beautiful art for us and i'm gonna miss them terribly especially harpo uh i was like god damn it it was so effortless oh my god but the one thing that i i recently found out that i had no clue that it existed at all was uh Bobby Darren, um, after he was around when Robert Kennedy was assassinated, he was always a kind of a liberal-minded, like progressive person, becoming more and more hippie-ish, which I think is why some of his career kind of took a toll, because people were like, shut up and play Splish Splash. Um, but he went up to uh, Big Sur, got, a, got himself a trailer there, and just started writing music that he wanted to make and started his own record label, because when he said, like, I've written some protest songs, the label went, okay, yeah, we can put like two on the end of your record, but we're not gonna, like, you gotta, you know, croon for these people. And he was like, ah, it's really not what I want to do. So he just went off and made his own label called Direction Records. Uh, he put out two records. The second one, he changed his name to Bob Darren and just became obsessed with Bob Dylan. And the whole record is kind of folky, like groovy, 60s into the 70s like 
folk rock almost. There's a song, uh, it's called Me and Mr. Honer. I've been talking about it for like a week now, but it's about him being harassed by the cops for playing a harmonica on the street. Uh, And it's just like got these harmonica breaks. It sounds like it would, it sounds like a sample that like Beck would have used on like the loser era of Beck. Like it's got that groove to it. Uh, But, you know, two years later he had to go back because he wasn't making any money. So he had to go do like lounge shows and shit. Uh, But these two records that he came out with, there's a compilation on Spotify that's songs from Big Sur and it's from these two records and they're incredible. Like, I don't understand why people like hipsters haven't found this yet and been like, we need to bring up Bobby Darren more because oh, this... George, give yourself some more credit. No, hipsters. Uh, hipsters, hipsters need to do this better than me. I live in Philly. I don't live in Brooklyn. <laughs> all right. We need Portland hipsters, grade a hipsters on this. <laughs> that's oh, that's yeah. amazing. But that was the whole, but like that was awe inspiring. But I was going to say that like in general, the fact that like I can find that on the internet these days, like the entire streaming world, itself that we have access to this music now and we're finding new music and creating new music every day that can be put up within hours of it being created i think that in itself is like yeah going back to to what we were talking about way back when you're talking about how you might be missing something that's happening right now the ability to find that is so much easier so like if you want to look and see like oh this band i like played locally with this other band let's check out that other band they're yeah. also on on the internet like you yeah. can find everything if you want to do the work and it's so much easier than it's ever been yeah it's insane to see just like it's all there for us so like when people are like oh man i don't have any new music to listen to it takes the people that were like well what are you into like this is something that you have like spotify does it for you now but mm-hmm. at the same time it's like such a fun journey to find this stuff on your own like yeah. I, I found the compilation from Big Sur uh, because someone was talking about it on another podcast, and then I looked it up, and then I found like that live tape and stuff. And every once in a while, I just go back to Bobby Darren just because listening to his live stuff has been like influential for my live performance. Like it's something that I want to emulate. It's so much fun to have that old kind of style on stage, and uh, but it's all out there. And then people are still like, man, I don't kind of to listen to. I guess I'll just listen to this like album that I've been listening to nine times over. Over and over again. Yeah. yeah. It's it's insane to me. Like that and, that's all just there. Yeah. And I do kind of miss the because it is there. I do miss that going out and getting an album, you know, getting a CD, like, you know, going to Tower Records, go into that hipster record shop where like the owners like knows you yeah. behind the counters, like, yeah. hey, try this, or like just like pouring through the records and being like, hmm, what's this? I've heard some rustling and everybody's talking at the record stores talking about this Wilco Yankee Hotel Foxtrot yeah. thing. So let me get it and then be blown away by it on yeah. the drive home, you know? And, and it, but, but we can do that. If, but I think people do get lazy and it's like, I think it's like people like us who will go and be like, hey, I, I need to find this. Yeah. Like one of my favorite things to do also is, and you guys have mentioned soundtracks too, like that's all inspiring as well to me is like, when uh, I mean Scorsese obviously is probably the king of it, but like a well placed song in a movie at the right moment just totally changes is the movie. And like I'm, I think my wife just gets annoyed with it because like whenever we're watching a movie or a TV show and like a cool song comes on, like the first thing I do is like I just have Shazam up yeah. and like what is this? Oh, song? for sure, right away. We, yeah. we just watched through all of Umbrella Academy, which is one of those we started it so we were going to finish it. It's a, it ended up fine, but not yeah. not great. 
the soundtrack is what kept me going through that yeah. show. Every single like song placement, every single moment was like amplified because they picked a perfect song yeah. for it. From the season one of that show, that's what rekindled my love for Top Loader because they did that Dancing oh, in the sure. Moonlight yeah. cover. And I was like, oh, fuck, this is a good, what do you want, dog? Oh, <laughs> look at that guy. He's just constantly interrupting the podcast <laughs> all the time. Oh, fuck it. Good boy. Oh, he's just yeah, staring your, at the Your toilet. Bobby Darren thing. And another song that inspires awe, which I'm only mentioning so people know why it's on the, the playlist this week, is uh, A Change Is Gonna Come, the mm. Sam Cooke song. Oh, incredible. He has a very similar story to, to Bobby Darren, where they were trying to like put him in a box because he was a Black artist appealing to white America, and the record label was just like, we don't get this often. You're staying, you're staying in that box, and you're just going to keep singing these songs, and that's what your whole career is going to be. And he created a record label that was giving all of the rights to the artists. And they were, they were pulling in bigger names. Like as, as soon as the contract would end, the people would go and sign with them. And there's a lot of conspiracy theories around his death because a lot of the paperwork and the, the court case and all this stuff, nothing really lines up if you look at it all together. Hmm. And like, there's definitely people are telling the same story like too closely without like specific details in it that you know people were told this is the story you tell in court yeah there's a lot of theories about that of like he tried to go create for himself and that's why like change is going to come is like on the b side of that album and the first half of that album is just a lot of like swing dancey kind of more yeah pop it's amazing how many times you see stuff. labels yeah. do that where they're just like fuck all right put the hit on the b side uh but sometimes it's warranted, sometimes it's not. Like, I was listening to a thing about the punk band The Slits. Um, all, all I don't think they're all girls, but it was like a, a girl-led, for the most part, group. I think they had a... They, they would call their drummer the boy slit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but their big hit was their cover of Heard It Through the Grapevine. But because they wanted one of their songs to be the A-side, it wound up shooting themselves in the foot because they put in one of their songs. They were like, that's the hit, because that's the one that we wrote. Uh, and then the hit was on the B-side. No one ever paid attention to it. And it's like one of the best versions of that song. Slightly different with Sam Cooke, where it seems like it was deliberately manipulative. Oh, yeah. They were they were trying to show him that, like, you can't succeed in this world. Say so they were burying the civil rights songs and all the, the things that were, like, pro-Black culture, which is yeah. something he was pushing very hard like outside of his music, but they wouldn't let him do it with his music. And when he tried, they would bury it. Yeah. No, that's a thing with Bobby Darren too, that like he, there's a, there's a bunch of records where he's like, I want to cover like black records and black songs because people need to know about this. And at least like you kind of using his privilege to put the thing out there, but I'm not sure if it was using his privilege to put that music to the forefront or using what he knew was a great song to push his thing forward. It's just something that I haven't like dove into the history of yet. Uh, well, and even with Bobby Darren, like you look at, and it, a lot of people say like the big staying power of Mac the Knife, which obviously wasn't like his cover, his rendition of it mm -hmm. or whatever. But like, it was like, it was popular for, I think it was 58 maybe it came out, but like it was popular with the adults because it was 
kind of a standard kind of jazzy. It was, you know, wasn't scary or whatever, but like it was great with the kids. Cause if you listen to it, it's like a fun swinging song. It's about a murderer, yeah. a bloody yeah. gruesome murderer. And it's again, one of my favorite songs yeah. of all, of, of all time is Mac the knife. My, one of my favorites from Bobby Darren, there's a couple of them. Cause he went through this phase where he was doing, kind of poppy like stuff where kids could get into it and the parents could Wait, get I, the joke. I have an idea. I, I have, I have an idea of what you're going to say. Okay. Right? So I got it in my head. Go ahead. I was going to say the two that stick out to mind is he's got uh, artificial flowers, which uh-huh. is a song about right. a little girl dying in a tenement room. <laughs> yeah. And then Clementine. Clementine. That's the one. <laughs> that's the one. H- horrible song that you can't sing anymore. No. And so <laughs> I, by the way, I used to go, my brother and I used to get drunk and go to karaoke and sometimes, well, I would do Mac the Knife a lot, uh-huh. uh, but sometimes they would actually have Clementine. <laughs> and I would ju- that used to be, my brother and I used to, we call them walkout songs. We'd get drunk and then we'd pick a song and be like, that's our walkout song. And we would nail it. And then just everybody goes crazy and you walk out of the bar. And, you're just, uh, oh and I would God. do Clementine. My brother and I would do Aretha Franklin's Think. That was our big one, Aretha Franklin's Think. But Clementine is one of the funniest songs. It's, so it's terrible bad. now. It's, it's offensive, but it's, but you think it's like, oh, oh, my darling, come time. Got it. Holy no. shit. He sneaks that in there. No, yeah. it's so fucking like my girlfriend. I have a Bobby Dare. I have two playlists that are named after people on Spotify. One is my Adam fucking Sandler playlist, which is just, it's turned into like songs to listen and like outside too, but it's yeah. songs that should be in Adam Sandler movies or are in Adam Sandler movies. Okay. So it's all that like seventies and eighties, like rock stuff. Um, it could just be like the Bob Seger playlist, but it's not. Uh, the other one is Bobby yeah. fucking Darren. And the first song is Clementine. And if I put it on the car, my girlfriend gets so mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It's, it's, it's by today's standard is terrible. It is a terrible uh, but, song, but it is a great but, song. <laughs> oh my God. But just, just that, that sense of humor, yeah. like, like put, put, put aside the, you know, like whatever, but like to like, just have that and like, have fun with something and just like go down a path. And it's just like to sort of say, you know, like, I don't give a fuck, whatever, you know? And yeah. There really isn't a market now for a legitimate performer to make something silly. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you don't see. That's what I'm saying. It's like, you see, like Satoyo has a joke where he was like, I think it was kill switch that he went to to go bartend for kill switch engage at like the factory. And he gets up on stage and goes, our music is from the future. And he's like, and everyone laughs. And Satoyo, it's just a joke about Satoyo getting mad at white people. You know, Satoyo jokes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, there's no stage banter that we have anymore for a no. performer with a musician behind it that's actually like, oh, he's performing. Like there's yes. a song and dance number for a lot of pop people. There's shtick that i feel like rock musicians do or like stories about like how the van broke down halfway through trying to get there yeah anecdotal stuff but there's never like worked in shtick like there are there are live bobby darren takes where it's just like track seven stand-up routine and that's great yeah yeah Yeah. one of my favorite bands ultimate (laughs) facebook outside of their actual performances are some of the funniest people in performative spaces or in performance spaces, but it never really shows up in their own actual performances. Like the two of them, the one guy is a world champion air guitarist. The other guy is a world champion air guitarist on the comedy side of like, you did a silly gimmick and you won the the joke side of this competition. Like literally world champion. Like it is (laughs) the, 
the entire competition in the entire world, these two people have won awards. It's and like, I, I've also seen them. They played as the band for Reggie and the Full Effect, and they all took on characters. And they were like these weird, like strung out metalhead dudes. One was the bus driver. Like the other was a roadie with just like a horn on his head. Like all these crazy characters. But then you see them play their own show, and it's just a straight up rock show. Like there's yeah. nothing to it. That's like yeah. um, when I went to go see. Is I went to go see Frank Turner and the Smith Street Band at the Electric Factory back when it was the Electric Factory. And their opening act was Cuckoo Kangaroo, who I think we've talked about briefly. They're a adult children's band. Like oh, wait, are they the, the cat party? They're cat party. Okay. They have a song yeah. called Cat know, Party. They cat have a, party. A, a, yeah. a song called Dinosaur Stomp. And it's just like the Wiggles music, but they play them at like punk basement shows. And they are very popular in the school that I work in. Really? Yes. That's great. Yeah. No, That's it's, it, but it's, it's like, I, I remember going to see them. Uh, Frank Turner booked them on his tour who, uh, you know, a British guy. He, he could have picked anyone to get an American audience to come to his show. He picked an Australian emo punk band called the Smith Street Band. And then he picked Cuckoo Kangaroo, who he saw in a basement in Brooklyn. And halfway through their show, they break out a big, rainbow like parachute tarp from from our childhood and was just like everybody under everybody under and they're wearing matching uniforms like it looks like they're from a children's tv show and it's amazing to see a bunch of goth punk kids just be like rainbow parachute yeah they have a lot of videos on the go noodle service fantastic which i don't know i don't know if you have to pay for or not but it's it's very much just a kid's show i will i will pay for it i don't mind I'll put the money for it. <laughs> um, one of my big, when I was thinking about getting into stand up, um, I saw Mike Doty a bunch of times. Mm. If you guys know Mike Doty, yeah, oh, I love Mike yeah. Doty. It's on my, and, uh, my, I, my relationship playlist. I have Hear okay. the Bells. <laughs> I Hear the Bells is great. Yeah. And uh, his, and I, I was a soul coughing fan and I never got to see them live, uh, but soul coughing fan. And then I became a Mike Doty fan. And he just again stripped down and this is another all-inspiring thing too kind of going back to that stevie nicks thing it's like the production value of his albums that he's done like dan wilson did a couple of them and all but like i'm not totally in love with it but when it's just it when it's just him in a an acoustic guitar yeah on stage i've seen him 10 times like that and it's some of the best shows i've ever seen and he's really sad he's really amazing he does a lot of stuff now on they on instagram live and that type of stuff of course now but when i saw him it was like oh one or so and he did shtick in between he had stories and shtick in between every song and had a couple funny songs too and it was just just to see a a musician that i loved and it was, it was a seated show at the tla that that one time that i saw him that he had all the stories and he was just so fucking hilarious yeah. and it was like not only is he getting them with the music thing but he's really hitting them hard with the with the comedy i was like i want to do that like i i think i can do this like this is what i want to elicit this emotion in people yeah i've talked about it on a podcast previous to this where it was like i remember before even like my big comedy people are like eddie izzard mitch hedberg uh mike rabiglia these are all people that i was like oh this is something that like i could kind of figure out do because these people are hilarious but they're doing certain things that like Eddie Izzard talks about history. Like most of his stuff is history based. And it's like, mm-hmm. I love history. I can do that. But I also listen to our live album is better than your live album by real big fish. And there's yeah. like shtick in between that, that like, Oh, he's riffing. Like I can riff. Cause he's riff. Mm-hmm. like, 
there are things that I'll catch myself saying. I was like, oh no, that's like track 14. Don't say that. Like, that's just, that's, <laughs> that's been on, that's copyright. Yeah, that's, that's documented. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I got to tell you about this, this concert I went to uh, 10 or so years ago. My wife, when she was in middle school, was a huge Gin Blossoms fan. Okay. Hey, Jealousy, oh, the whole I thing. Love the Gin Blossoms. Yeah. Gin Blossoms. And it was like, okay, yeah, I know a couple of their radio hits and whatever. I don't have an issue with them, but I'm not a fan. But she, she was a fan. So it was like, I'm going to get her tickets. We'll go see them. And it was like four of us went to see the Gin Blossoms. It was at Harrah's Casino in Chester. In oh, I want to call one. it, yes, I want to <laughs> call it a glorified conference room but it was a conference room <laughs> that they were in. The stage was up against the one wall. And then there was 30 feet of space on all three sides of the stage. And then there was like those stackable chairs that were like along the outskirts of that. And it wasn't a big crowd. Everybody just sat back on the chairs, 30 feet away from the stage and quietly listened to the gin blossoms, try to churn out their songs. And I was like, this is the saddest. And I, I was like, this is the saddest, worst thing I've ever seen. And after the second song, Robin Wilson, I think his name is the, the lead singer. Robin oh, Wilson right. yeah. was like, this isn't happening. We can't do this. I'm not going to perform anymore. All of you people need to stand up, walk to the stage and dance your asses off. And we're going to have a party. <laughs> Let's go now. And everybody moved to the stage and he and the band put on one of the greatest shows I've ever seen. They were funny. They were self-deprecating. He was like interactive with the crowd. The songs are great. I was like, oh, I know three Gin Blossom songs. I knew like 10 Gin Blossom songs. Yeah. Like you yeah. had so many radio hits and they were and they hilarious. Were yeah. They were fun, but they also knew where they were. Like they weren't trying to be like, this is songs from the future. They're like, hey, we're just having fun here. And I walked away like, Holy shit! They were the, they were so much fun, and it was just like one of those experiences. I was like, I, I'm not going to forget this. Yeah. They were they were great. They, they but like, and again, it was like about that manipulating a crowd. Yeah. It was like, oh, because I was somebody at the time, especially like if a show's not going well for me, I'm just going to go into rote memorization and go on autopilot and just do my last ten minutes and get the fuck off stage mm -hmm. and just wander off into the night. Where it's like, no, I can grab this crowd by the collar and be like we're going to do this. Let's make this fun and throw out the plans and just be like, let's make this an event. And, th and that's, that's what they did. They were, they now, were not, great. Not to agree with you and compliment you. You are one of the better people I've seen at doing that. Oh, th thank you. I, it, but it, that can't, I don't mean honestly, to compliment you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, please don't. But, I wouldn't, but that was I would never. Don't worry, Joe. I thank you, George. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm but the hardcore no, kid at the show that crosses his arms in the <laughs> front row. Whatever. Good um, set, man. I, no, I, I was deaf for years. I was the one who just like, uh, I was talking to somebody on a podcast recently. I was like, I called myself a, what I like to call a, a best case scenario comedian where it was like, I can do very well when it's the best case scenario, mm -hmm. when it's set up just perfectly and the crowd's right, I can destroy. And like, that's my element. But if things went wrong or like the crowd wasn't quite right or something was off, I would get angry or sad or just like, again, just go on autopilot and just stumble off stage. And then, Again, it's from some of these concerts that I went to that was like, no, I I can break this and be like, come on, guys, everybody take a knee. We're doing this yeah. and then making it uh, an experience. Those are my favorite. Those are my favorite moments is when like you can see someone completely flip the script because the cards are against them in, in both a music performance thing, a stand up thing, anything that we are on stage, it is you against them. It feels mm -hmm. like at first. 
it takes someone with a lot of skill and a lot of charisma, I would say, to go and be like, no, no, come here. Come on. Like, yep. Like, yep. And, and doing it effortlessly. Like, yeah. even if the audience doesn't even know it's happening. Exactly. You're, you're like the, the new coach coming in. Yeah. They're like, the, yeah. team, the team's there. They've already been together. They know who they are. They don't know who you are. So you have to be like, no, we're we're the same. We're part of this. Yeah. But yeah. you also uh, do uh, have but, to run suicides 3,000 times yeah. before. <laughs> exactly. How do we feel? I feel Good. it all right now. Yeah. She's in awe. We did it. Yeah. Chip Chantry's in awe. I really am. I really am. Be sure to rate, subscribe, and tell a friend about Feel Feelings with Danny and George. You can follow us over at Feel Feelings Pod and even leave us an audio message at anchor.fm backslash feelfeelings. As always, if you ever feel some heavy emotions and feel like you don't have anyone to talk to, don't hesitate to reach out to us or call the numbers we have in the show notes. Thanks for listening. This has been a presentation from the Wasted Robot Network. For more information and links to other shows, please visit www.wastedrobotrecords.com podcasts.